Welcome to the Earth Station MCU podcast, your home for all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, The Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and so much more. Visit us at our Facebook group, Earth Station MCU, at earthstationmcu.wordpress.com, or email us at earthstationmcu at gmail.com. Marvel Universe, and welcome back to another episode of Earth Station MCU. My name is Jennifer Hartshorn, and we are here tonight to talk all about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And I am very pleased to have with me my esteemed co-host, Mr. John Rabin. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry about that, all of you, if we just blew out your... Uh... Your, your headphones you're listening on. Um, yes, yes, that was probably the most quotable line of the movie. You want me to do it again, maybe a little bit uh, lower volume? No, no, you're fine, you're okay. fine. It's all good. Uh, so this was uh, this was a very good opening. Um, we, uh, well, uh, I, I'm not sure quite how they calculate opening weekend when it opens different weekends in different places, mm-hmm. but I, I'm assuming that it's that it's just counting like the opening weekend in the U.S. Yeah, but... I, w- I would think it focuses mainly on the domestic as opposed to the international, because the international um, uh, box office tends to come a little bit later. Right, right, exactly. Um, well, I pulled up the uh, the numbers for the opening weekend, and um, unsurprisingly, the team-up movies uh, did, did the best. Number one is mm-hmm. Avengers with uh, $207 million. Followed by Age of Ultron by 191 million and Civil War with 179. Yep. Um, Iron Man 3, really most not most people's favorite MCU movie, but uh, it it comes in at number four. But Guardians is right behind that at number five. Guardians 2, that is. Nice. So I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't hate on Shane Black's movie that much, although you know, I just I only like criticize him for having to make sure everything takes place at Christmas. Right, right. That's and that's 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 fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, with the it's the, the, there's a lot of people that really hate Iron Man three. Uh, on the other hand, they hate Iron Man two more, which I don't understand because I think that's a really fun movie. But anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, I think that for a a solo outing, oh, not a solo outing, but a non Avengers outing, I should yeah. say. That's it's not. I mean, this is an ensemble piece, but it's not teaming up people who each had their own movie already. Um, so I think that is that is very respectable, and uh, I think that's that's definitely something James Gunn can uh, can be proud of. Rotten Tomatoes also gave it a good score, not uh, not one of the top out of the MCU, but it was uh, it's an 81 for critics and a 90 for audiences, which mm-hmm. is not bad at all. And uh, over overall. Uh, it's been very well received. Um, I think that, that the vast majority of the reviews that I've seen have been really good. Yeah, I mean, it's really, in my my uh, mind, it's just as good as the original, and it just it brings a little more emotional heft this time around. Yeah, I, I the most of the criticisms that I that I've seen have been that there uh, that there was 
and this this is not something I agree with, but the, there is too much emphasis on uh, character and not enough on plot. But I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like this is this was a character driven piece as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, like a like a heist movie or something like that. It's really kind of more like the characters, I think, drove the plot in this one. Exactly. I mean, there there was the, the, the there is the plot line with uh, uh, with the um, sovereigns and the stolen batteries and all that. But that's really secondary to the, the, mm-hmm. the main and and pretty much all of the main conflicts and, and storylines apart from that first one are to do with family. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, whether it, and family, the relationships between fathers and sons, um, you know, kind of what, what makes a family, what makes a parent? Is it the person who gave birth to you? Is it the person who raised you and is a family, you know, what you were born into or is it, you know, a group of people that you chose. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I think this, this makes for such an, an interesting continuation of, of the first one. Um, you know, this mm-hmm. one takes place in, in 2014, which is, you know, uh, if, when you actually like, like add things up. So this is not jumping ahead, you know, three years, the, the way we have in real life. This is, this is taking place at the same time as, uh, at the same year as the first one. Um, right. So, I mean, it's only a couple months uh, after the events of the first film. Exactly. Exactly. So um, it's it, it's very appropriate, I think, because there was while the the first one was very action driven and lots of stuff happening. You know, the mm-hmm. the ending of that one was was we are Groot. You know, it was it was them coming together as as a group, um, you know, with, with the, uh, with the infinity stone and, you know, bonding as a team. Um, and it, you know, in the first one we established that they're all, they were all very much loners who, who did not have family and Mm -hmm. that gets explored a lot more in this one. So it was, it was a really good continuation just with a, a, a different focus this time around, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and you know, you get that line from Nebula, it's like, you know, you bicker and argue too much, you're not friends, and Drax says, no, we're family. And, you know, especially coming from Drax, who is still very, like, he's he's getting metaphor a bit more, but he's still very literal. Yeah, that's He a good really point. does see uh, the rest of the team as his adopted family. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I, I saw the movie right, right as soon as it came out. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, the Thursday night before uh, before Hulanta. And yeah, then I, we both I went did back... because of the convention. Exactly. And then I went back and uh, and actually rewatched it today mm-hmm. and, and brought my notepad and. Boy, I, I guess I guess it's probably also because I've been, you know, doing my grad school homework all weekend. Yeah. But but man, I, I picked up on on so much uh, more of the the family part this time around. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, first of all, we've got Drax talking uh, more about his family. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, with Nebula, that's a, a, a very minor thing, all things right. considered. Um, we've got, uh, gosh, uh, we've got Yondu talking about the fact that his parents sold him into slavery. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Mantis talking about the fact that uh, Ego found her as a larva and uh, raised her. 
um, in isolation from any of her own kind. Mm -hmm. So she's very much of an orphan. Um, Ego mentions that that he was very much uh, completely on his own. He did not mm -hmm. have any kind of a family. Yeah, so, he doesn't even know where he came from originally. Exactly. Um, so it's it's not just, and, and we'll get to the stuff with, with Peter and, and Gamora and Nebula and everything in a minute, but it's, it's not just the main characters that are the focus of this movie for, mm -hmm. for whom this is true. This is actually a theme that goes through pretty much everybody. And for that matter, even with, uh, even with the, the sovereigns, they're apparently, they're, they're like grown in pods. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's very much like if you remember kind of the post-crisis Superman, that's the way Kryptonians were kind of bred was, mm -hmm. you know, created to be genetically superior and everything matches up and everything is everything is perfect. And uh, we can't we can't do no uh, no biological reproduction. No, 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 sir. Although in this case, of course, ego uh, is is very quick to point out that he does have a penis and yes. is, is very, uh, very good apparently. But, uh, Which I, I guess you would need, you would need something like that. Uh, if you're going to impregnate human females. Um, yes, there, there's that. There, there was also, you know, or every talking, other species. Well, you, you have no idea how the other species reproduce. So that is true. Who knows? But, uh, but he does have to take a whiz at one point. So, so yeah. there is that. Wow. Not, that's not one, of the, one of those one of the things I thought was kind of interesting because you know it, we see him in his his Kurt Russell human form mm -hmm. uh, for pretty much almost the entirety of the film, and even when he shows Peter kind of the flashbacks, uh, the scenes of him mm -hmm. copulating with other species, he still looks like his human self. But you you kind of have to wonder if he didn't take on another form for them. Of course, and actually, I watched uh, uh, James Gunn did a, did an Ask Me Anything today on Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, and it was really long. A lot of the time when people do that, they do it for like fifteen minutes. It was like almost an hour and a half, um, and that was one of the things that people asked him was they said they said did he appear in his in his human form? And he said no. He said that the the statues that that he made were specifically to to tell a story to. Um, to Peter, and so right. um, it was. It was to show the audience, and also to show Peter um, that this is what he was doing, and that of course he he appeared uh, as whatever would be considered attractive uh, to mm -hmm. whatever species that was. Yeah, which I mean, the whole thing, especially that moment, kind of makes me realize that you know, Peter or no, not Peter, but Ego is essentially lying to Peter the entire time and saying whatever it takes. To get Peter on his side, absolutely, and uh, and, and again, I, I don't feel like you know, I don't feel like I picked up on that to the degree that I did um, mm. until until I was seeing it the second time around. The 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 whole thing is one big manipulation, and and it yep. kills you because because he's Kurt Russell and he's cool, and it's like you want for you can sympathize with Peter because you want for it to be true to have your father be this cool guy. Yeah, and even uh, even at first when they encounter each other, Peter isn't so sure because well, you know, he acts like most people would if their disappeared dad suddenly right. shows up again. He's like, he's mistrusting. He doesn't want to go along with this. He doesn't want to go to the planet. And, uh, you know, Gamora convinces him, well, this is 
guys saying he's your dad, we should check this out. You know, right. this would be the first chance you've had to connect with him. Right. And and that great thing about and I'm going to for, forget what it is, but sh- where she messes up David Hasselhoff's name. Yeah. Um, uh, Zardu Hasselfrau. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that. Yeah. Because apparently Peter explained it when he was drunk. Right, right, exactly. And he's like, oh, man, I wish you wouldn't say that. And uh, another thing that um, I I had thrown this out there as a question, but somebody else asked it uh, when when James answered it, was um, uh, whether or not people in the MCU know who Kurt Russell is. And he said, uh, if Kurt Russell exists in the MCU, then he looks different than than ego does because that was one of the fan theories that i had heard which was actually really cool i thought which was that um you know peter would have been familiar with with kurt russell presumably because you know he's aware of other things that that were going on like in the 80s right so in terms of popular culture and Kurt Russell had even been around well before then as kind of right. one of these uh, Disney wonder kids. Like he was, he was like one of the original Disney teen stars. Right, exactly. So uh, it would have actually been very cool, I think, if if uh, in the movie Ego had chosen to appear in the form of Kurt Russell, but but apparently not. That that is apparently not the case. No, but, but I do love I do love that we get that one scene where. <laughs> Uh, he son ego suddenly changes into Hasselhoff. That was so, you know, and of course that reminds me of of the one in Thor. Of course, uh, right where where Loki uh, is walking along and turns into uh, into Cap. That's that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, but so yeah, so we've we've got obviously the the um the main story of the the movie being Peter searching for the the answer to his his parentage yes. and finding ego. Um, we've also got one of the the major subplots is uh, Gamora and Nebula, and getting to hear yep. a lot more about their background. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to think that. Um... You know, Nebula's entire motivation, her whole hatred for Gamora is, you know, basically boils down to Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you can look you know, at it that, that way. That, that sibling rivalry and the fact that uh, Gamora always won their fights. Gamora was the preferred sibling uh, for out of Thanos' adopted children. And ultimately what Nebula wants most is is that she wants Gamora to treat her like a sister, and she also wants to just win one time. Yes, and although I thought, again, that that was... It it, it put it in a different perspective hearing the, the Ask Me Anything this afternoon because um, uh, James Gunn pointed out that, you know, we, we, of course, we see things from Gamora's point of view to begin mm-hmm. with, and then he says, you know, from from Nebula's point of view... Uh, Gamora's a bully. You know, Gamora w- would just right. n- never quit until she had she had won. Um, and that's that's a very that, that's a that's kind of a risky thing to do with one of your protagonists to to flip it around yeah. and show them as maybe not entirely the good guy. Which is, uh, I mean, from Gamora's perspective, was simply like survival and self preservation. Right. And, you know, she doesn't really think about, well, what's going to happen to Nebula if I win? Right, of course. And, uh, but, and, and, and going along with the, the, the siblings and, and fathers thing, you know, 
they're both in this situation because of mm -hmm. their strange relationship with their adopted father. Um, yeah. So it it all it all just comes around. The other um, the 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 relationship that I had completely missed the first time around, and that I mm -hmm. actually haven't really seen anybody address. Um, I know that uh, before the movie, I had seen that James Gunn had said that Craglin was going to have a really important part going forward, and he was very central mm -hmm. to some things. And you see the movie, and it's like, well, he had a bigger part, but I don't think it was really that important. But when I was watching it this time. I realized mm -hmm. the degree to which he has a father-son relationship with Yondu also. Yeah, and he really facilitates helping Peter understand that Yondu was more of his father than Ego ever would be. Absolutely. And, you know, the 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 whole sort of turning point uh, for for what happens with Yondu is when they're on the, the mm -hmm. snow planet, whatever it is, and uh, he says, um, no matter how many times Quill betrays us, you always stick up for him. Why mm -hmm. am I the only one? And then he gets cut off. And so yeah. I, I think that there's a sibling rivalry thing there, much like the, the Gamora and Nebula thing, between him and Peter, between Kraglin and Peter. Yeah, although Kraglin isn't as, um, obviously is not as angry about oh, it no. as Nebula and Gamora. No, no, not at um, all. But but there's still the, the how come dad likes you more? Mm -hmm. You know, because he's he, he's like, you know, no matter how many times Quill betrays us, you know, he's, he's just, he, he's basically saying, why do you always take his side? Um, which I didn't pick up, and I thought that was, that was a really neat thing once I noticed it. Yeah, and you can see um, a little bit more where Peter is kind of the wayward son who went off on his own, broke away, and became independent, while mm -hmm. Craglin's the good son who stayed behind and helped uh, his dad. Exactly. That is that is exactly what it is. And um, and and there's there's the uh, it, it, there's little things like that that come up all through with with their interactions with each other. Um, and there's the mm -hmm. part at the end where. Um, where uh, Kraglin gives him the Zune, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. And and, uh, and Quill gives him the arrow. Um, and then, you know, of course, one of our, our uh, post-credit scenes is him practicing with the arrow, which yep. is like a father-to-son pass-down kind of thing. Yeah, which unfortunately for Drax strikes him in the chest. Yeah, but, you know, I'm sure Drax will be all right. <laughs> yeah, he'll be okay. Um, you know, one of the things I really do appreciate because I've, you know, and I've met Sean Gunn before, and he's mm -hmm. just such an, a, a nice person. I really love that he had way more of a role in this movie and was uh, like a lot more speaking lines, a lot more chances to be to be funny. Because um, if you've seen Gilmore Girls, you know he can be a hilarious guy. Right, right, exactly. He's he's very talented, and you know it was sort of it was sort of like uh, you know mm -hmm. with with him in the first movie, I kind of feel like it's sort of like um, Sam Raimi puts Ted Raimi in like everything that he does yeah. in some kind of a small part or something. And so I didn't really realize you know that that he was capable of doing more. Um, and and in this movie, he really does get to do some some cool substantive stuff. I thought I thought yes. his his scene with Nebula was was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. That was uh, that was certainly one of my favorites. As was the uh, the post credit scene. Yep. 
And, uh, you know, ultimately, of course, he's the one to help uh, Yondu and Rocket break out of the prison because mm-hmm. he feels bad for the for kind of jump-starting the mutiny. Well, yeah, and, and he points out, you know, they just killed a bunch of my friends. You know, yeah. th- those are, you know, people that, that he'd, he'd grown up around because he's, he's about, you know, presumably he's about the same age as Peter. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, you know, the, 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 the sibling thing of having grown up together um, and, and taken very different paths. Um, and uh, and he's got he's got great comic timing, you know, even, even like the, the thing where he was eating soup and then sees the uh the the sovereign fleet start uh start rifting in um, yeah i love that bit where it's hey uh captain you remember that aisha chick yep. and then the uh you know the song starts in as they all start zooming in exactly exactly so i i thought it was great getting him to see stuff and it's also cool because he's of course most people probably know he's the stand-in for rocket on site um yes and you know it's one of those things that that you know if for anybody who's done theater um you know or or any kind of acting you know you kind of rise or fall to the level of the people that you're with and you know one of the things that is always hard about you know auditions or screen tests mm-hmm. or anything like that is that you're having to you know react to somebody that you know to just just words or to somebody that you've never met before and it's hard to give a good performance when you don't have somebody who's good to be performing with and i think right. that that that's one of the things that that um you know and and James Gunn has said this mm-hmm. that that um uh Sean really brings something to to that interaction on set. When you look at yeah. a scene like like the one with Rocket and uh and Yondu in the prison cell, um you know, you 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 got to assume that a lot of Michael Rooker's performance is shaped by what Sean Gunn was was giving him to work with. Yeah, and you know, in the first movie, the uh, bunch of assholes standing in a circle, or a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle line was actually something Sean had lived on set. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's the kind of thing that if you were just, you know, like like a lot of the time when you're interacting with, with CGI, it's just like a tennis ball on a stick that you're, that you're mm-hmm. having to interact with. And I think that I think that having him on set has to make a, a really big difference in terms of the the performances of everybody that's around him. So, you know, no disrespect intended to to Bradley Cooper, but um I think that that Sean Gunn has a tremendous impact on on the 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 other actors and mm-hmm. and everything about the way that that is done. So, um Yeah. So it's great getting getting to see him uh having his own face and performance on screen as well as that. Um and uh, and I know James Gunn has talked a lot about the fact that it's you know sort of like when when people have talked about Andy Serkis mm-hmm. on uh, on set during uh, the Lord of the Rings movies that he's he's very he's very limber and flexible and yeah. he gets down at the the level where Rocket's face would be um, mm-hmm. so uh, so that's uh, anyway I'm just I'm just impressed as hell with with Sean Gunn I think he's just yeah. awesome. 
I mean, he definitely goes up there with the guys who can do mocap extremely well. I mean, you mentioned Andy Serkis. Yep. Uh, Alan Tredick is another one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they're like they're all able just to do this incredible job, pretending to you know pretending to be these characters that are way different size and move much differently than they normally do. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that was that was just really cool. Um, so. I, I don't know, um, you know, different different people had different levels of, of spoilers going into it or whatnot and different uh, levels of, of intuition. Did you see the, the, the big reveal of, of uh, Ego having killed Peter's mom? Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, that for me was, that was the gut punch. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people say, talk about all the emotional moments in this. That was the one that I didn't see coming. Because mm-hmm. I would figure even the whole time, okay, the tumor was could still be naturally occurring until he says, I'm sorry I had to put that tumor in your mother. I'm like, oh, oh God. What? Yes, exactly. Oh. And that's, you know, that's the exact moment where he definitely underestimates how much of a bond he had with Peter and how much Peter was going to go along with his plan. Right. Because it's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's shot beautifully, too, because um, he uh, because Peter literally has stars in his eyes during during that sequence where he's like he says something like I can see eternity or something. And his his eyes become these like swirling galaxies. And as soon as Ego says that, you watch the 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 stars drain out of his eyes and the, just the the dawning realization on his face and he opens up with post barrels and just blows him away. I love that. I, I I love that character that he doesn't stop and go, "Why, Dad? Why?" He just he just kills him. He just fires on him, and uh, and it's 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 a great cathartic moment. I think. Oh yeah, and then later on, of course, to drive home uh, the you know, the the alienation between Ego and Peter mm-hmm. when Ego crushes the wall. Yes! Oh, God! That's like, you, you just know, did like that to my one, feels! Yes! The one thing that he has from his mother. Exactly. Those tapes, I mean, we see Awesome Mix Volume 1 gets ripped out with the stereo when the Milano crashes, and yes. then the... Uh, the Walkman gets crushed by ego, so it's like he loses his mother again. Exactly, he's he's crushing his connection to the past, and right. and it's just it's it's beautifully done, and one of those things where you know I I certainly like I said I didn't go into this I mean because you knew that that ego was was a bad guy from from the yeah. get go right from the comics. Um, yeah, I was gonna be like, if they keep him as a good guy, that's definitely gonna be a departure. So it's kind of like I, 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 I kind of foresaw that he was gonna turn at some point. Right, and and I, you know, I, I know that you would, you had said that that he wasn't wasn't a good guy or anything, but I. I give this movie credit because I was able to suspend. I mean, like I, I forgot that as soon as we saw him and saw him because his first interactions with Peter are very, are very loving and very kind. And you can very much feel how much Peter desperately wants to have this, this parental connection. And I totally didn't see that coming and massive gut punch. Oh my God. That was that was just ow my feels, just killing yes. me. 
Um, and uh, obviously there there were some other great emotional moments. The the whole he may be your father, but he he ain't your daddy. Oh, that yep. was that was beautiful. That was great. And and for me, um, something uh, that that I, I did not uh, at all <laughs> see coming. Um, that was uh, that, that was right towards the very end is of course um, you know we know that uh, that Yandu got kicked out of the Ravagers for kidnapping children um, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and was was ostracized by uh, is it Stakor how do you how do you say that uh, Stakar Stakar that's it yeah. by Stakar and the others basically for for violating the the Ravagers code. And there's that scene earlier on where you know Stakar basically is like you know get away you've you've been shunned We're, we we will have nothing to do with you. Yeah, and, I do like his uh, I do like his line on the plane. It's like oh this is this place is the wrong kind of disreputable. Right, right, exactly, and uh, which was which was fun and echoed a lot of uh, a lot of fun um, uh, role playing game moments. That, uh, that I've had, but, um, but, but yeah, so, so, and he even says, you know, when you die, there won't be any Ravager's funeral for you, basically. Of course, then at the end, they do, they, they all, they all show up. Yeah. And, um, which goes back to another one of our, uh, our post credit scenes was, uh, getting the, getting more of the guardians from the comics together. Yes. Yes. Uh, because, you know, Stakar being Starhawk, uh, we see uh, Michelle Yeoh's Oleta being another member of, mm-hmm. uh, like, having her own Ravager crew. Yep. Um, Ving Reigns is Charlie 27 with his own. Mm-hmm. And then we get... Um, Martin X. Uh, Char- Martin X, who's with Stakar mm-hmm. uh, to begin with. And then we get a couple of the other kind of the more obscure Guardians characters from the comics. I think Mainframe was one of them. Mainframe and uh, I think Korger... I'm trying to remember his name. He's even more like minor yeah. to everything, even though he's in the comics, a um, basically Stephen Strange's successor as Sorcerer Supreme. Right, so, which, right. You know, when you get the the little hand Mandela's mm-hmm. that he does in this movie are so, very similar to what Doctor Strange does in his movie. Exactly. So exactly. that's a tie between the two of them. Yep. And uh, speaking of mainframe, could you imagine that was uh, Miley Cyrus? She only had one line, <laughs> yeah. so you know. Uh, if, if but you don't say no to Marvel these days. No, no, you do not. And uh, I think we will we will definitely be seeing seeing them again in in part three. Of course, James Gunn didn't want to didn't want to officially confirm that, but I, I think that's yeah. you know you, you don't you don't cast any of those people with without uh, for for just a a one time only cameo. But uh, but for me anyway. But the the what I was getting to the the gut punch moment was. Um, uh, uh, no, it's fine. Um, that uh, that there have been, um, and and Rocket himself has has said this a number of times about uh, chasing people away or pushing people away. And in fact, I believe he he accused um, Nebula of that at one point as well. And then this point where Rocket is looking out at you know all of the ships, and he says he didn't chase them away, and. Just, just you know, echoing that that thing of of family and the fact that that uh, you know even even if you you have um, even if you mm-hmm. have differences with people that you know when it when it comes right down to it 
um, you you can't completely chase them away. I thought that was just beautiful. But uh, but anywho, mm-hmm. um, there, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say my other my other really emotional moments, and I it's gonna be hard to watch uh, if I whenever I see the movie again is crying Groot. Oh yes. I mean, like that—that—that that, that just hurts you right in the feelings. Yes, yes, he's no poor baby must rescue you. Yes, and he is so super adorable through all of this. Um, he—that uh, opening sequence in particular. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, and James Gunn said, "I'm not sure if I believe him on this." He said that he did motion cap for all of Groot's dancing. I'm not sure if that's yeah. actually true, but well, I mean, um, he did it for the first movie, so I'm willing to believe it. For oh, did he? Oh, okay. That's cool. But, uh, but yeah, so, so Groot was super, super cute the whole way through. Um, uh, I know that, uh, the, obviously, um, Rocket was, was great in the first one, but I, again, seeing it, seeing it again today, um, I noticed that, that there are just some scenes where the, the movement of the fur is just so, mm-hmm. so realistic and natural and just, one of those details that, and again, James Gunn said in the the, the thing today about uh, that that's one of the things that he really agonized over, and that he uh, he was a real perfectionist over. And he said, you know, if if he had all the time in the world, he would have liked to go back and and even make those shots better. But um, but it was still still pretty damn cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, unless you're really like looking for it like he is, you don't really notice it in the first movie. Oh yeah. Not, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, speak, speaking of which, um, a number of the, uh, TV networks have been reshowing guardians, uh, the last couple of weekends and boy, that, that the beginning and the end scenes, uh, dealing mm-hmm. with his mom in the first movie yeah. are, are so much more painful now. Oh God. I I haven't rewatched the first movie since I've seen this, but I th- I think it's definitely going to hit me next time that she's dying because ego didn't Did want to leave any like he didn't want to leave any witnesses. Exactly. Like, I don't I don't buy for a second the whole oh I really loved your mother and I would have stayed right. uh, you know like you know if uh, if I hadn't had my greater mission like bull crap like we can't believe anything else that's coming out of your mouth now yeah i mean i i don't know i i guess i guess there's a part of me that still wants wants to to believe that that mm-hmm. he he had that for once he actually maybe did fall in love to the point that he was you know willing to to consider giving up his right. great enterprise but but that, I, you know, and to and to give that some credence, I mean, you have to respect the fact that, as far as we know, he only showed the plant to Meredith, right, mm-hmm. and no one else, right, exactly. Um, and I think that 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 I I think a case certainly could be made for him him genuinely loving her, mm-hmm. but then saying if if I if I stay with her, which, which is kind of bullshit because he could have stayed with her for her entire life and it would have just been a blink of the eye for him. He could have taken her with him. That's a very good point too. That's a very good point too. I hadn't even (laughs) thought of that, but, um, but yeah, he decided that his, uh, his mission to make the entire galaxy just like him. 
That's like yeah. a that's like the master on Doctor Who or something. Um, yeah, or you know, if you've ever seen Futurama, the the beast with a million backs. Right. Know, like that's it. That's his whole point is I want everybody to be just like me, and I want to touch out to the universe and have everyone be the same. Right. Exactly. Which is just super super crazy. So so even whether he whether ego loved her or not, he prioritized his own world domination over any love that he might have had for her. So right. he's he's a he's a douchebag basically. Oh, totally. No question <laughs> there. Um so so yeah, so that's that, I think that that covers most of our uh major plot lines. Of course, we've we've mentioned some of the the post-credit scenes. There was the one uh with Craglin mm -hmm. practicing with the arrow, which yeah. was which was cool and which definitely seems to indicate that he is going to be one of the guardians now, which is pretty yeah. awesome. I, I know, like him. And it'll be interesting to see if they incorporate Craglin somehow into the comics because usually when a when a character, like a side character in a movie that didn't exist before, gets to be really popular, mm -hmm. they'll find a way into the comics. I mean, this was the that was the whole thing behind Harley Quinn in the in Batman the Animated Series because mm -hmm. she was created specifically for that and proved to be so popular they moved her into the comics. I did not know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, or you know, or or like Coulson showing up in the comics, or, yeah. or any number of other things. So so yeah, exactly. that would be great if he uh, if he migrates over there. Um, you also mentioned uh, the uh, the uh, I guess they were they were the guardians before this group, right? Uh, uh, yeah, they in the comics they are the original guardians for the most part. Um, mainframe and got alien guy I can't remember. Uh -huh. um, they. Like the rest of them were originally guardians. Mm -hmm. um, the only pe person we're missing from the original crew in the movies is Vance Astro, mm -hmm. who was a human who, um, through time and you know space and all that, eventually ended up in the year three thousand, mm -hmm. um, with you know telekinetic powers. Um, but he's about the only member they leave out of the comics and everybody else we see in Yondu, of course, being an original member of the, of the guardians in the year 3000, mm -hmm. along with Starhawk, along with Oleta and Charlie 27. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely hope that, uh, we get to see them again. We also had, uh, both a scene in the middle of the movie and at the end with Stan Lee, uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. again, um, James Gunn confirmed that, uh, he, he's not claiming that he came up with that idea. He totally got that from the fans online. The, the idea yeah. that, that he's, uh, that he is working for the watchers. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's something that of course we've, and we've talked about before that Kevin Feige has confirmed is, is true as well. Mm-hmm. So I love that we that we got the Watchers in there because I never expected that. Considering that uh, you know Owatu, uh, the, the kind of the main Watcher in the uh, in the Marvel Comics mm -hmm. universe, um, was pretty much like first appeared in Fantastic Four. Was definitely one of the characters that you have to assume that they that Fox owned, mm -hmm. and I guess it's one of the ones that they gave up for um, to you know for. Uh, Deadpool and being able to use Negasonic Teenage Warhead in the way right. that they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so that was that was definitely cool. Um, and and something that that I know made an awful lot of fans happy. 
Um, yeah. We also had the thing that, that I've been, you know, going on about uh, forever, which is the Adam Warlock scene with Aisha. I think I've been going on about it maybe a bit longer. Well, maybe a bit longer. Maybe because I've been, like, super fanboying. So, like, we've got to have Adam Warlock yep. at some point. And, like, and this, we finally got that teased. Mm-hmm. As, you know, as Aisha's kind of way to get back at the Guardians. Right. Because we saw, you know, we saw the Guardians just smack them around like silly, uh, <laughs> you know, and them and their little drone ships getting blown all to hell and all of them acting like uh, petulant children losing in a, at an arcade game. Well, and and it's and again, yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. Um, you know, yeah. obviously they they uh, uh, it, they get completely embarrassed by the fact that that rocket you know steals their their batteries um mm -hmm. and and is rightly so i mean absolutely and is incredibly rude to them um yep. and uh and then uh i i i'm sure i don't know if this is this is something that's addressed in the comics but the only time that I had seen something like that before was was like Ender's Game, where you've got people uh, remote piloting ships as if it's like a video game. Yeah, and uh, you know it's one of those things about their culture is like, oh, we value our ourselves so highly, we would never put our actual people into danger. Which right? Why they use the drone ships? Also, why they hire the Guardians to begin with? Right, exactly, and that's that's something she explicitly says was that we were not willing to risk any of our own people. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so yeah, so the and 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 so that means that when they, you know, when they they die, it's just you know, it's just dying in a video game for them. Um, yeah. One person that I did not even recognize at all um, under the makeup uh, the first time through until my friend Ariel pointed it out is uh, Ben Browder plays the uh um the admiral yeah um and i totally yeah. didn't get that in, until i saw it this this time and i was like how could i have missed him oh my god oh well i mean i'd heard about him being in there so i was looking out for him I'm like hey it's ben because you know i when i was like an infant <laughs> ben was playing football at Furman university so oh, I, really? like i was like in my store or whatever watching <laughs> I don't. I don't have memories of this. Obviously, being too young, yes. but you know, he he was there when I was when I was a kid. So it's. I, I haven't gotten to meet him yet to be able to like gush about it, but I, I want to at some point, and yeah. I will sign up. I will sign up for the photo op wearing a Furman shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So so that was super cool getting getting to see him. But um. But yeah. Uh. I, uh, I I was I was trying to to deny it, but um, James mm -hmm. Gunn confirmed again today in his uh, little thing online that um, Adam Warlock is not going to be in Infinity War. Um, and the way that yeah. he said it, the way that he said it, sounds like he is not going to be in the sequel to Infinity War either. That uh, when and if he shows up, it will be in Guardians Three. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that's just me because. You know, as I've said like a million times in this podcast, he is mm -hmm. so important to the Infinity Gauntlet stories. How dare you leave him out, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, but I can kind of understand that if they're not going to let him really loose until Guardians Volume 3, it's not really going to be possible to have him in both of those movies. Right, exactly. Or either of them, for that matter. Yep. Um, so... Uh... So anyway, I thought that was that was 
It was disappointing to know that he won't be in there, but uh, he was pretty definitive about that. There was there were a lot of questions about, is this person going to be in? Is this person going to be in? The one yeah. that I saw, he, he answered it once, and I saw it come up at least a dozen times, and I cannot. So many of the questions were really, mm. really good. But the one that kept coming up was, is Tony Stark going to be in Guardians 3? And I'm like, what? And he's like, no. No, Tony Stark is not going to be in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> I mean, Tony has shown up and been part of the team in the comics, but I just don't really see it happening. Yeah, I mean, on on so many levels. I mean, first of mm -hmm. all, he doesn't have to be in every damn MCU movie. Yes, he showed up in Spider-Man. Yes, he showed up in Captain America. But yeah. he, he doesn't have to be in every single damn movie. Plus... Guys, Marvel's got to pay Robert Downey Jr. every time he shows up in a movie. Yeah, his his contract is coming up, and you know, there's there's certainly a lot of talk about Tony Stark uh, either you know dying off or retiring or whatever. So, dollar I, I, dollar bills, y'all. So I don't I don't see that happening at mm -hmm. all. But I could not believe the number of time uh, times that people asked about that. Um, uh, mm -hmm. But then finally, uh, the other post-credit scene was, um, and everyone was calling him Teen Groot, and yeah. and uh, and James Gunn was adamant that he is not a teenager. He said he's he said he is adolescent Groot, and I'm like, that's the same thing as a teenager. There, there's no difference there, James. But but James James finally said, okay, I guess we could call him Tween Groot. So I guess he is thinking of him more as being like 11, 12, 13 years old. I do. Uh, well, yeah, and I love that uh, exchange between him and Quill where he's like, I am Groot. I'm not boring. You're right. boring. <laughs> right. You know, it's like Peter's trying to be kind of like a parent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as soon as he gets sass, he, he himself reverts back to kind of teenage immaturity. Well, yeah, t teenage immaturity, and then also realizing, oh my god, this is what Yondu went through with me. Um, which, mm -hmm. again, just brings the whole family thing uh, full circle. Yep. You know, whatever you were as a kid, you get revisited uh, as a parent, apparently. And, you know, pe people ask me why I don't have kids, and I tell them, honestly, that there was there was a time when I was about six years old where uh, my I was throwing a temper tantrum, and my mother said, I hope you have a dozen just like you. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What, that would be the most horrible thing ever. <laughs> that's why if I ever have kids, you know, the moment when I realize that one of them have tur has turned out just like me, <laughs> I'm probably going to laugh my butt off. You gotta laugh or cry, you know. It just, just, uh, you know that that's that seems to be the thing is that we we turn into our parents, and uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. My, oh, my believe mom, me, like as a camp counselor, the first time I ever used my dad's phrase "try me," that was <laughs> chilling in and of itself. And I'm like, I'm never saying that again. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, I guess, uh, is there anything else you wanted to uh, touch on? Uh, you know, one of my favorite little Easter eggs uh, mm -hmm. in it, um, and this would go unnoticed to most people, but I think what well, Ego's car at the beginning uh -huh. is the same paint scheme as the Milano. I didn't realize that. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. 
that that is that is yeah that is a perfect little little homage oh yeah and speaking of that um that's uh that's something that, that you and i had talked about on the board a little bit um i was blown away by uh by how exactly young ego looked like kurt russell did back in the 80s yeah and and i just thought they have perfected the CGI. The CGI is absolutely flawless. And come to find out, very little of it apparently was CGI. Like a tiny bit of CGI and a lot of it just makeup. Because, I mean, if you look at Kurt Russell, I mean, other than the graying hair, he kind of looks a lot like he did back in the 80s. And that's that was the thing that, that, that I looked for, again, go, going back this time and looking at it. You know, one of the big things that's different about his face, of course, is that he mm-hmm. has the beard. Yeah. But um, the main place that you, you saw wrinkles on him most of the time was on his forehead, which interestingly, uh, just as a side note, uh, John um, Barrowman has said uh, has said that if, if you ever um, if anyone, not that he would ever do this, wink wink, um, if anyone uh, were to, to ever get plastic surgery, he said never do the forehead because the forehead is is where so much of your expression is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that's the one thing on Kurt Russell is that he has a pretty pretty heavily lined forehead, and he didn't in the uh, in the flashback scenes. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, apparently there there's been a, a review with him, uh, not a review, an interview with him, where he said uh, he at least says ninety percent of it was makeup and uh, only a little bit of CGI. So I thought that was pretty cool. Hmm. Because compared with something mm-hmm. like like uh, Michael Douglas in uh, in Ant Man, where there oh, was a yeah. li- there was a little bit of un- I mean it was still really cool, but it was it was still a little bit of uh, Uncanny Valley going on there. But this was this was just perfect. I thought it, it took a little more effort for them to turn back the clock with Michael. I think yeah, a li- little bit little bit further to go too. But um, mm-hmm. but all right, cool. So, uh, so on a scale of, uh, one to five, what, what should we do here? One to five arrows, flaming arrows. Mm-hmm. How would you place this one? I'm going to give it a four. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to admit there was, there was a part of me that was slightly less, that was slightly less, uh, well, a little tiny bit disappointed, mm-hmm. uh, but not very much. So it's like, I kind of expected something even more grandiose and I got something mm-hmm. that I think was just as good, which you know, anytime it's it's kind of on par with what came before, mm-hmm. there is that part of you that's still a little disappointed, even though you enjoyed it just as much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I my first time, I would have given this a 4. Going back to see it again, I'm giving it a 4.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought this was this was really excellent, and... I guess going back and and seeing some of the 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 details and and sort of feeling the feels uh, all mm-hmm. the more this time uh, bumped it up for me because it's 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 a very good movie. It has some of the best um, you know emotional uh, stuff going on. It's so different from from the other pieces because even even like something like Avengers. It's it's not an ensemble piece the way that this is. Everything mm-hmm. fit together like a perfect puzzle, thematically, emotionally. It just all came together just just perfectly. So uh, so yeah, I gotta gotta go with a, a, a four point five out of five. I was super impressed with this. 
All right, cool. Well, um, our next episode, uh, in in chronological order at least, or in sequence, uh, I'm not sure when they're going to actually get published, but uh, the next one in sequence is going to be our triple feature of the Mm -hmm. last three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which... We just got word has is confirmed to be coming back for next year. Yay! How could it not after how this season has been doing so well? And, you know, and even people have kind of criticized it with like on my page and on, uh, mm-hmm. on in an art group. Uh, it's like, well, it's, it's not doing really well in its ratings compared to past seasons, but it's doing amazing for the time that ABC put it in compared to other shows that they've tried. And in people, you know, numbers aside, the show has just gotten so good. Now, how could they yes. cancel it? They could cancel anything for any stupid-ass reason that they come up with. And so I would I'm, not have yeah, been surprised I mean, if they had. TV been... executive can have a bad day. You know, it could be like uh, like like what happened in Seinfeld when uh, the new people come on board. They don't like your idea anymore, so you're out. Exactly. But uh, but so anyway, so we will be back in our next episode with a triple feature about the last three episodes of this season's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And until that time, we will see you later. In these times of hardship, just remember, we are You've been listening to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast that explores the many worlds of all things geek. Please write us at esopodcast at gmail.com or call us at 404-963-9057. And if we find what you say interesting, we'll put it up on the air. If you've enjoyed our show, please rate us or leave feedback for us up on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe to our show or any of the ESO Network podcasts. We can also be found up on Stitcher Radio or wherever fine podcasts are found. ESO is also available up on most social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, and so many more. The show is brought to you by the fine folks at the ESOAmazon.com eStore, where right from our website you can find all kind of geeky goodness. And if you get something up there, you also help support the station. ESO also has a Zazzle store to buy cool ESO merchandise and such. Show your ESO love with something from Zazzle. To learn more about ESO, our website is esopodcast.com. The show is produced by Calico Productions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace.